Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane. Today I'm joined as usual by Scott McDermott, the Chief Sports Writer of the Sunday Mail. We're going to be having a look at Rangers' 4-0 victory over Falkirk and touching on a few of the issues uh, surrounding that game, what it means for the, the Ibrox Club's attempts to win their first silverware uh, under Stephen Gerrard. And we'll be mopping up some of the other news from the week. Scott, straight in there with that 4-0 victory. Stephen Gerrard making several changes to his starting lineup, but there wasn't any real sign that there was a diminished quality about the team, was there really? And the big talking point, I suppose, isn't the actual game itself, but what happened beforehand with Celtic going out to Ross County. And that leaves a really diminished Betfred yeah. Cup in terms of the biggest teams in Scottish football. Aberdeen gone, Celtic gone, Hearts gone. So without being disrespectful to the opposition, you look at the, the, who's left and it's only really Hibs of the big yeah. city teams. So, yeah. so surely Stephen Gerrard will never have a better chance to break his duck. No, you're right, John. There's no getting away for that. I mean, it's, it's opened up now for Rangers to go and win that first uh, First trophy under Gerard, first trophy of the season. Now you mentioned Celtic, Hearts, Aberdeen, Motherwell are out, Kilmarnock are out as well. Um, listen, they would have hoped for an easier draw. I actually think away to St Mirren, a long way away to Hibs, is about the hardest draw they could have got with the, with the teams left. Um, I was at the St Mirren game on Saturday and I was really impressed with how they how they played against Aberdeen. Yeah, I like Jim Goodwin, I think he's developing into a really good really good coach, really good manager. So it won't be easy at St Mirren, but there's no getting away from the fact that um Celtic going out early on Sunday was just huge in terms of Rangers uh, potential to go and win that trophy. And fans will quite rightly be thinking already about February twenty eighth, that's the day of the final. Who knows, we could have supporters back in the grounds by then, Johnny back in the stadiums, um, Rangers fans could be could be at hand and again without being disrespectful to the you know, the, the clubs that stand in their way, but they are huge, huge favourites now to go on and, and win that tournament. And I think in terms of the bigger picture, it's hard to predict where the, the league table will be. Rangers right. Rangers fans you know, will be looking at February twenty eighth, the, the day of the final. And thinking, you no, know, by that point fans could be back in the could be back in the stadiums by then. So I mean, without being disrespectful again to the clubs that, that stand in their way, it's a, a huge opportunity. And also we don't know how the league table will be sitting by that point, but you have to say, and I think we've said it before on here, that if Rangers could win the Bet Fred Cup, you no, know, the first silverware available this season. I just think it would give them a huge psychological lift and could really drive them on to, to win this title. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Scott, because we, we talked about this when they were up against Celtic in that Betfred Cup last year, how getting this result would give them a taste for silverware. And we've had so many ex-pros come to do spreads for the paper or, or talk to the broadcasters about how getting that first trophy, whether it be a league or, or a cup, really sets you up and gives you yeah. that mentality to see you over the line. And, you know, these, these players now that have been there, I mean, you look at James Tavernier, terrific player, arguably the best player in Scotland, um, but he's never won a real, proper, top-level no. Scottish trophy. 
So, so you really do need to get that on your CV, don't you? Yeah, and listen, I, I spoke to a couple of Rangers fans uh, on Sunday around the, the, the kind of time of the, of the games, and a few of them you know, had said to me, in terms of the Celtic Ross County result, no, they they wished that it had been a it had been a league game where they, they dropped points. No, they weren't really that. Then it seemed that fussed about the about the cup. But honestly, I mean, I think from a Rangers' point of view, no, of course they, they they're looking for Celtic to drop as many points as as possible in in, the, in terms of the title race. But no, for Rangers' cup hopes and in terms of the season as a whole, I don't think you can underestimate what it could do for this Rangers team, what it could do for Gerard. To get his first uh, that first trophy under under his belt, uh, that's why I think it was a a, a huge result. Um, you no, know, Ross County beating Celtic and putting them putting them out because it o- it totally opened it up. Um, given what happened last season in the final where Rangers dominated Celtic, should have won the game but still lost it. That that tells you that while Celtic are still in the competition, irrespective of what what state they might be in or, or, or what forum they might be in. No, you can still lose an old firm game even when you're on top, especially a, a one-off uh, cup tie. So the fact that Celtic went out, uh, I, I, again, I just think it presents Rangers with a, no, a massive chance to go in and uh, no, go over that psychological barrier, um, get the trophy under their belt, and more importantly, as I said before, it really drive them on in the, the title race um, and, and you know, try to get that first league. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, let's discuss the game because it was quite an interesting match from the point of view of being able to see almost a completely different Rangers lineup. Um, yep. And there was a number of impressive performances, not least, I think, Calvin Bassey. Scott, what I want to drill down in the detail of is, is Rangers' strength and depth in yep. defence there. We've got Nikola Katic out injured. Philip Hollander, unfortunately, has is, is got COVID and we obviously wish him all the best in his recovery. I'm sure he'll be He'll be um, on his way back to, to full health before long. But that just leaves Conor Golson, who's played pretty much every minute of the season. Yeah. Uh, Leon Balligan, who Gerard's already talked about as being a player that they'll have to bring in and out because of his, his injury history and just managing his body correctly. He's, I think he's 32 now, so yeah. he's, he's not a guy who's going to be playing three games a week. Um, and uh, George Edmondson's obviously... You know, still probably not going to be coming into that that first team, even if uh, he didn't have a long ban. So yeah. what it does mean is that Calvin Bassey is having to move across and slot in there. But do you know what? He 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 looked just as comfortable at centre back as he does at full back. And while that's maybe no surprise against the Falkirk team, who didn't really offer an all an awful lot going forward, as you might expect from a, a League One team. You have to say that, you know, Rangers just haven't been shown any difficulties at all by these kind of games. And Falkirk, top of League One, full of confidence. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, that's cannon for Rangers. But the the truth is, Scott, we've never really seen a Rangers team for a long time. It's just absolutely annihilated everyone in this way. This would have been a a banana skin in the Pedro Cucina era. When I when I seen the the lineup on Sunday, I, mean, I knew Stephen Gerrard would make changes for the cup tie. But when you're looking at the lineup and you're seeing Bassey, obviously McLaughlin comes back in goal. Bassey's at uh, centre back where he hasn't really played before for Rangers. You're looking at Zungu coming in for his his first start. Brandon Barker playing who, as you know, I don't think uh, no, I don't think as a, a, a should be a regular. 
a regular starter. He's a squad player, no more than that. No, I'm not saying I, I thought Rangers would struggle in the game or it would be a not a major problem, but I did look at the lineup and think, you know, has he made too many changes? You know, could this be a you no know, a, a kind of tricky one for them? You know, on the Astro Turf, you know, kind of horrible day and and Falkirk, you no know, making that many changes. But listen, I should have known better really for this Rangers team because they're now in such a rhythm that it doesn't matter who plays or who starts. They often score early, which is crucial. I've said it so many times on here. They're now doing that regularly. They score early, they bury teams, and then they get into the second half and they can actually afford to give players minutes, take players off. Even Saturday and Sunday, they're putting a couple of young players on for their their debuts. What a position for Steven Gerrard to be in, um, knowing that he can make so many changes, obviously the shape and the, the system doesn't change, but so many personnel changes and really, no, the style doesn't really change, the hunger, the desire doesn't really change, there's a there's a relentlessness there, there whoever comes into the, the first team pool, so great position for him to be in, and you're right, I mean, Falkirk's a League One side, no, they, let's be honest, they should be a, they should be a championship side, they've got championship players, uh, we all know what happened this summer in terms of them uh, staying in, in League One, but that could have still been a tricky, a tricky tie for Rangers with the amount of changes they made. But um, it was anything but. They, 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 they were so comfortable right for the right for the start. The guys that came in just adapted immediately to the system and that that style. And when you've got somebody like Defoe coming in, though he's probably playing one in every four or five games after that and yet every time he comes in he looks sharp as a tack uh, razor sharp in the box and he's he's scoring goals it must just be a must be a dream for Steven Gerrard just now when it comes to comes to picking a team for for each given game yeah we saw Leon King and uh, Kieran Dixon getting a a run out Scott and I I don't know if you heard uh, Jermaine Defoe was in a podcast yesterday it was a business podcast believe it or not Um, but he was interviewed in detail, and, and I thought it was fascinating um, when he was talking about how he keeps an edge. Uh, even at 38, he's always looking to find ways to improve and, and gain that 1% advantage. And he was talking about um, being obviously a vegan at one point because he yeah. was trying to make sure he was healthy as possible and that you know he lives quite a boring life. He doesn't particularly like like yeah. doing a lot of the things that he does, but he goes to bed at 10 o'clock to make sure he gets the correct rest, he hydrates and drinks throughout the day. Um, myself, Johnny, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, it must be such a an incredible experience for these young players, and so good for Stephen Gerrard, to have a guy who's been at the Premier League level for so long in his career, yeah. who's still doing all these things, because... Listen, Scott, this is one thing that I've noticed over the last you know, decade or so. Youngsters coming through now, they're completely enraptured by the glamour of the Premier League. The Premier yeah. League is where it's at. So yeah. if you've got a guy they grew up watching as manager and a guy they grew up watching banging in goals as one of the key senior players, I've got to think that makes a big difference from a player who's spent his career in the Scottish Premier League and that uh, Premiership. And that's not to denigrate Scottish Premier League, players, no. it's just the mentality of youngsters now and I think that must make a difference, must it? Yeah, of course it does, I mean what, what an example Defoe is um, I mean Johnny, in, in modern game now, 
for young players, you just won't, I mean, if you've got any ambition to reach the, the top, and I mean the very top, which surely every young kid at, at Rangers um, has got when they're, when they're coming through, you, you can't, you don't get there by doing things in, in half measures anymore. There, there are no, no, there are no excuses, there are no, um, unless you do things to, to the letter in terms of living your life as a, as a professional athlete, you just, you just won't get there. And you're right, I think Defoe is a prime example, but I would argue even it must be great to look at a Scottish guy like Scott Arfield at Rangers for these young boys who you know, was like them coming through the Scottish system, but has ended up with a career in the Premier League in England playing at the top level, now playing at international level, albeit with Canada as well. Seeing him... And the way he works every day, even even at his age and at this stage of his career, I think there are a few in that Rangers dressing room now who these kids can look up to, and I don't think that's I don't think that's been the case um, in the past when Rangers were were obviously going through a going through a tough time. Um, but you're right. I mean, for these boys coming through that have that have got any sort of ambition, looking at a Defoe or an Arfield and how they go about their business at, at that stage in their career. Must just be a brilliant, a brilliant example. Um, and you're right; it was great to see two young boys getting on. I know Bassey's only twenty as well. I mean, he's still a young, a young guy, but he's obviously come in. But you no, know, seeing homegrown players come into the first team, especially in a season like this. I know it was a bit Fred Cup, but especially in a season like this where there is so much at stake. You no know, young boys still getting a sniff, still getting to train with the the first team, still getting a wee opportunity off the bench. Um, it was brilliant, brilliant to see, and I haven't seen too. Much. I was actually impressed with the boy Dixon when he came on. Um, I haven't seen too much, too much of him, but certainly Leon King. I don't know how much you'd heard about him, but certainly I remember speaking to uh, Brian Gilmer, uh, who's a friend of mine, who's obviously Charlie Rangers B team just now with, with Kevin Thompson. I remember speaking to him. I mean, I'm talking 18 months to two years ago, so you. No, Leon King would have been 14, 15 tops. And I remember saying to him, uh, saying to Brian, no, of all the kids in there that you're working with, he was maybe working with under 14s, under 15s at that time, I'm not sure. I said, of all the kids in there at Rangers, no, is there one that you would kind of hang your hat on? Is there a special talent? And the name that came back was Leon King. So I've, I've kind of deliberately taken an interest and tried to watch his development and see... No, look at how he's getting on. He's obviously came through the ranks. He's obviously still doing well. And to see him getting a first-team debut at, at 16 at Rangers is is quite incredible. And it just goes to show that uh, no, Brian obviously seen something a few years ago and it's it's come to fruition. Listen, the boy's got a, obviously a long way to go before he's no, he, he kind of makes the makes the grade. But the signs. The signs regarding Leon King in particular must be very, very good. And Gerard and Gary McAllister and Michael Beale wouldn't have had him involved at that level um, for that game on Sunday if they didn't think he was he was capable, which is must be really encouraging for Rangers fans to see. Yeah, he's got that sort of uh, Danny Wilson vibe about him in terms of the buzz, isn't it? Isn't yeah, doesn't he? There's a lot of chat. Yeah. Uh, that Rangers have something really, really quite impressive there. But I suppose um, the big thing will be making sure that he goes out on the correct loans 
Yeah. And uh, because he's he's obviously not going to be, or, or it's highly unlikely to break into such a solid defence, you'd imagine, at 16, 17, 18. No. So it's more a case of finding the right club for him and his development once the club decides that perhaps development football has has taken him as far as it can go. Yeah. So... I think maybe, I think he's only 16. I think this season and possibly even next season, Stephen Gerrard would still want him in at Rangers and learning his trade in there with the coaches they've got, the facilities they've got, and in and around the first team, not as you say, watching guys like Defoe and Connor Golds and Scott Arfield. I think for the next 18 months, that's probably where they want it to be. But when he gets to that 17, and no, 17, 17 and a half, Getting into 18, they will, that's when he, no, he really has to take a step and that, that probably will be a lone, a lone move, um, whether it's kind of lower leagues in, in Scotland or, or, or going down south. And as a centre-back, he'll need to go and challenge himself and get his hands dirty, basically, at whatever level. Um, no, take the knocks, there'll be setbacks, listen, it's the old cliches, but no, he'll need to go and uh, experience the kind of rough and tumble of being a of being a centre back, and if he does that and does it well, I'm sure he will. Listen, I'm, I'm positive he, he's got a future at Rangers. If he keeps on his current trajectory, then there's no reason why he shouldn't uh, eventually get into that Rangers Rangers first team. But you're right, a loan move, I think, maybe not next season, but but certainly at the start of the following season, I think that would be what Rangers would be looking to do with. Yeah, I suppose they've got to take into account his growth, depending on yeah. how filled out he is and things like that. That's something that they, they do now. Whereas maybe in the past, you know, you saw Derek Johnson being thrown at the team as a as a very yeah. young man and, and Wayne Rooney, but those were big guys even at that, that age. So I think that's a that's a key part of it. Yeah. Um Scott, in terms of um, the Celtic situation, now obviously this is a Rangers podcast and we don't want want to get into the, the quagmire that is uh, the, the the situation surrounding Neil Lennon. But I suppose from a Rangers point of view, Stephen Gerrard will be looking at that and just thinking and saying to the players, lads, let's keep all the focus on the other side of the city. Let's just yeah. keep quietly going about our business. Yeah. Because that focus and that pressure, it just allows Rangers, I suppose, not an element of relaxation because they'll, they'll want to keep up the levels of professional professionalism that they've shown already this season that, and that have arguably been the, the catalyst for, for how well they performed. But it will be a case of, wouldn't it, that while the pressure is on the other side of the city, there is that sense of just not the same level of scrutiny to what, what Rangers are doing. Johnny, as hard as I try or as any other journalist might try uh, come Friday when it comes to kind of press conference day, Stephen Gerrard, I don't think, will utter a word about what's going on on the other side of the, the city, and that will be a deliberate move from him. Um, I don't doubt people will try and get him on Neil Lennon's situation and what's happening at Celtic, but he just won't. Uh, he won't indulge in it, I don't think, because he knows it's it's dangerous to try you know, to start looking at, at what's happening elsewhere. Rangers need to have tunnel vision now if they're going to this title. To be fair, that's exactly what they've, they've had so far this season. Gerard has been so focused, they've refused to talk about the, the league table, they've not really talked about you know, title hopes. 
it has been boring and cliched, if you like, probably from a journalistic point of view, but you can totally understand why they've taken that approach, and I don't expect any different um, No, in the lead-up to this weekend. In regards to what's happening at Celtic, I think then when you look at Rangers, for me, Johnny, the only, the biggest enemy for Rangers now is complacency. I think the part of the reason Celtic are in this position is down to complacency, both on and off the pitch. But I think the biggest danger to Rangers now in terms of going forward and, and trying to win this title will be complacent, uh, complacency. If they if they do start to look at what's happening with Celtic, if they do start to get comfortable and think that they, you know, they're in this rhythm and they just need to turn up and you know, they'll, they'll rack up victories, if they think Celtic will continue to drop points because of the, the turmoil, that's where they'll come unstuck. Um, and uh, as I say, it, what's happening at Celtic is no doubt, no, to Rangers, no, because no, Celtic just can't get their can't get their act together just now on the on the pitch. No, they look as if they're going to drop points at every pretty much at every opportunity. So it's for Rangers fans, it's great for Gerard. He must be getting excited about what they can go and achieve this season. But as I say, I don't expect him to talk about anything to do with, to do with Celtic on Friday. He will try and keep it as as low key and as straight laced as they as they can as they, as they look to just keep this run going. And I mean, this weekend, Sunday morning they go to Ross County. Ross County, of course, have come off the back of a brilliant win, but you'd still expect Rangers to go to Dingwall early morning and win. That would put them 14 points clear, albeit no, taking into account Celtic's games in hand, but 14 points clear with Celtic taking on St. Johnson at, at Celtic Park. A St. Johnson side that's unbeaten in 10 and will fancy their chances of taking something um, going to Parkhead. So, listen, Gerard will be will be playing everything down this weekend, just trying to keep, keep everything in order, uh, keep the players focused. And I don't think you can. I don't think you can blame him for that. Yeah, I suppose that the 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 worry for Stephen Gerrard would be while everything's going terrific, everything's going swimmingly at the moment. They look by far the best team in Scotland. He'll also know because he's a football man. He'll look at Celtic squad and he'll know that they have very good players. Yes, it's yep. a slightly imbalanced squad and team because it it looks like a a pool that's been put together, not really knowing whether they were going to play 3-5-2 or 4-2-3-1. When you look at someone like El Yanusi, great player, but he can't play in a 3-5-2 or doesn't really naturally fit into it. Shane Duffy, well, has a great CV, but doesn't really fit into a four at the back. He's more of a fitting into a three. Um, Given the way Celtic play where, you, you know, they're going to dominate the ball and the defenders are going to be high up the pitch on the halfway line. If they're going to get done, they're going to get done in behind, which isn't Duffy's game. Yeah. So those are just two examples of, of where that squad is is lacking. But at the same time, Scott, you just worry because these, from a point of view of, um, in terms of Rangers and what Rangers can do this season, Celtic um, have been over the course so many times. It doesn't take a lot in terms of a January transfer window to, to manoeuvre players in, manoeuvre players out. And before yeah, you know it, you've got quite a tidy-looking squad that could easily go in a long run. Yeah, listen, it can turn quickly, Johnny, we, we know that. And despite Celtic's problems right at this minute, 
I go back to what I've kind of said for a, a few weeks now. It's with the games in hand at the moment. It still is only five points if they win them. They can still go to Ibrox and, and take something on January the second to make it even closer. Um, who knows whether a new manager will be in um, by that stage to take that game? Because you just don't know. We're taking things day by day at the minute in terms of Neil Lennon's situation. So. It can all change very quickly. You're right, Celtic you know, still have some very good players, particularly going forward. I think I said uh, on here last week you know, that if they, if they did get their act together, you know, those front players in terms of Edward, Ajeti, Griffiths, Christie, Forrest coming back, El you know, they will if they do get it going again, they will beat you know, the majority of the, of the Scottish Premiership teams fairly comfortably, you would think. But we know all is not well there at the minute. Um, but certainly for Rangers' point of view, I, I think you're right. It goes back to the the complacency thing. If you start if you start thinking that your you know, your rivals are on your knees and you no know, no victories are in the bag and trophies are in the bag, that's where you really that's that's where it, football comes back to to bite you in the backside. Um, as I say, it's looking good for Rangers at the minute. I think this weekend will be vital for the reasons that I've uh, explained. With Rangers playing first, Celtic have got a tricky game uh, at Parkhead to negotiate, obviously, with everything, everything that's going on. I think it could be a, a pivotal weekend because if Celtic were to drop any more points, then it would put Rangers just in such a strong, strong position, uh, even with, with Celtic's games and games in hand to come after the new year. Yeah, that's absolutely fair point, Scott. I suppose the, the one other thing that, that could go against Rangers or could cause Rangers problems going forward, and, and, and listen, equally cause Celtic problems or any other team in the league, is, is this level of variance, I suppose, with the COVID situation, Scott. You know, yeah, yep. one one bad outbreak, and, and we're seeing that in Newcastle at the moment, yep. uh, could leave Rangers having to field the youth team for a couple of games. And then all of a sudden the, the power balance maybe shifts a little bit, um, depending on how those games in hand go for Celtic. So... It's a difficult one. It's a strange season, and I think it could uh, this it could certainly be twists and turns. But you have to say, from a from a Rangers point of view, they've been absolutely terrific so far this season. And, and certainly, if you if you're an unbiased observer, you'd be looking at this so far and saying, well, Rangers by far look the better team. They're probably yeah. wondering why there's there's a reticence to to say they're they're clear favourites yeah. to win the league. I think it's because you know those of us who have been around the block here in Scotland for a wee while. Exactly. We know that, exactly. that Rangers, Rangers have had a propensity to, to to drop away and we know that Celtic have, have, have been able to see the course. So it's going to be an interesting one to see how it pans out, but certainly Rangers are looking very, very, very good indeed. In terms of this game coming up against Standard Liège, Scott, on Thursday, this is another exciting tie, yeah. um, another difficult one, but You'd think a draw would actually be enough to pretty much see Rangers through at that point. Um, there's, there's five points between the two teams, um, and you can't imagine Lech Poznan are going to go out and beat Benfica. So if, if, if Benfica win as we'd expect, that would leave, uh, I think, a point would be enough. So, yeah. you know, Rangers have got two games to, to get over the line. And from what you saw in standards, you know, they're a decent team. I think they'll cause problems. And certainly if Rangers are sloppy in any way, they'll yeah. they'll punish them. But you'd have to fancy Stephen Gerrard's mate to go out there and, and, and take all three points, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think Rangers... I think a point 
is enough or, or will be enough, Johnny, and I fully expect him to get it, at least certainly the way they've played in Europe this season. There's no reason to uh, to think that they that they wouldn't. Um you're right, I mean they were very impressive in Belgium. Um I think Steven Gerrard will want this qualification sealed on, on Thursday night, uh, one way or another, because I think it then no, the Lech Poznan away game. I don't think Rangers or Gerard will be too bothered about, no, about no, trying to finish top of the group. They'll just want to get out of the group and get into the, uh, last, the last 32. So if you could seal qualification, it would obviously give you a chance away to Poznan no, to freshen the, the team up again and make some changes. and no, Again, maybe even no, give some young players a, a, a retaste of European football. So I think you'll want to... You want to get that sealed uh, as quickly as possible. Um, and as you say, I don't, I don't see... Listen, I think, Rangers, I think Rangers could be off the boil on Thursday night and probably still get a point or still win. Just such as this you know, this rhythm and this kind of uh, state of mind that they're in at, at the moment. Um, I don't think they need to play brilliant to go and, to go and beat teams or, or get results, which is a great, a great trait to have because they've just got... They've just got such a work ethic now. I thought, I thought it came through or it shone through in the, the last game at home to Benfica against a, yeah. a top quality side. But the work rate for Rangers, you know, we've, we've spoken about it before on here, but you know, for the, the three forward players, the boys on the side uh, in the midfield positions, you no know, shuttling across, the work rate you know, had to be uh, top draw and, and it was. Um, Listen, Scott, shot. just on that, were, were you at the game? The Benfica game, can't remember. Uh, no, I just just watched. Yeah, it. yeah. I, I thought some of the reaction to, to the game, and I know why, because obviously they lost a two goal lead over there yeah. in Lisbon, and then they lose a two goal lead at Ibrox. But for me, I thought actually a draw was a terrific result because, yeah. as a football fan, it, it was obvious Benfica are, are probably a, a little bit a level above Rangers, to be honest. Yeah. So Rangers were absolutely at their maximum. And really yeah. causing Benfica problems, but but Benfica have real quality and depth. That's yeah. them both times with players out. Exactly. Listen, they, they're a Champions League team. There's no doubt. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think I think they're maybe just a wee bit short of where Bayer Leverkusen were when Rangers yes. faced them, just slightly short, but not much because you need to remember Leverkusen were, were brilliant against Rangers, but Rangers weren't in a great uh, great state themselves getting into those mm. getting into those ties. So. They were maybe just short of Leverkusen, but still top quality. And I agree with you. I, I was a bit surprised at a wee bit of the kind of negativity in terms of you know, throwing away leads and you know, deja vu. And I, I thought that was a wee bit harsh. I think I think Stephen Gerrard said himself, if you'd offered them two draws against the top seeds going into the group, he would have uh, bitten your hand off. We know they should have seen the game out in Lisbon you know, against 10 men. And the Ibrox game as well. No, when you're two 0 up at Ibrox in any game, um, you should probably see it out. But no, there, there were mitigating factors, and I think especially in the Ibrox game, no, Benfica played very well. Rangers had to be playing, especially that work rate that I'm talking about, had to be at the absolute maximum um, for Rangers to get a positive result in that game. And I thought it, I thought it was a positive result, and certainly if they produce that same level of uh, same level of work rate against Standard on Thursday. I'm I'm very confident that they'll get uh, 
you know, they'll get the result they need to, to qualify and, and really take the pressure off going into that last group game. Absolutely, Scott. Right, I'm going to wrap it up there. You can uh, catch up with us to uh, question us or to continue the debate on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott's at Scott McDermott 8. If you like the pod, we know many of you do, get onto iTunes and give us a five-star review as this helps it get to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening.